All right, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to uh, give a little bit of an introduction to Advent. Um, next uh, Sunday actually starts the official Advent season, um, as is um, celebrated, as is, as is observed um, in the western part of this world. Um, so what I want to do is give this week the, like an introduction, an understanding. Some of you remember, you know, we've, we've done this you know, a few years in a row, but for some, maybe it's the first time, and maybe for you that, that have been here when we, we went over this, you need a little brushing up which is all right. I love when, when Paul says it, it, it does you no harm, and it, or it does me no harm, and it does you well for me to repeat myself. Um, I, I think that that's what my dad, what, what his motto was all, all growing up with me, because he repeated himself over and over and over and over and over. I still didn't get it. I still didn't listen to him, but hardhead, whatever. So I'm in good company then, right? We're all in good company. So yeah, what a hardhead. All right, so Here's what I want to do. I want to, uh, we're going to look at Advent, we're going to talk about it a little bit, and then I want to talk about God's role in Advent. This is something that, that is really standing out to me, um, and um, as Kurt uh, launched us in, uh, in the call of worship in John 3, 16, um, and, you know, 16 through 18, we'll, we'll start there. So if you want to be the, the eager beaver, you want to get up there, get to John 3, 16, uh, and then uh, we're going to catapult to uh, the epistle of John, the first epistle of John, and we'll be in John chapter 4. Um, but before we get there, here's, here's what I want to do, is I want to give you the need, because I, I believe that this is the need in which we need to address today. Um, and, and as we address this need, um, that, that you'll see why, why we're going down this path. And the need is this, that by understanding God's participation in Advent, the Christian can be reminded and encouraged of his plan for today and for eternity. So uh, what I want to do is, as we're going to talk here, is I want us to understand that Advent, as the season, is to remember something, some things, I should say. But is the Advent as a season, yes, it is man-made, but the events that, that, that provoked this season are directly from God. So um, what is Advent? That's where we're going to start. Uh, and again, if this is review for you, um, just take a quick nap. I'll, I will shout and clap my hands when we're done with it. Got it? Are we, are we going to be alive today? I, I know that the, the, the turkey is probably still kind of in the refrigerator and in the body. And the, what is that called? The tryptophan? Or, that's kind of, yeah, that, hey, I, I, I honestly think that's just kind of a cop out for everybody to take a, a nap. I like it. So we eat, we eat a lot of turkey and we take a nap. And we watch who, who what, the, 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 well, Ohio State yesterday, who watched, who, who, who watched the game? Are we, are there any Michigan fans in here? Do not raise your hand. <laughs> right, right. Whoo, that was awesome. And then Clemson last night, come on now, how, how awesome was that? And, oh, who? I will act like I didn't even, I don't even know you right now. What is Advent? It's a good transition. What is Advent? And that's, that's a real question. Some people don't know what it is. And if you're sitting here and you don't know, if you can't um, immediately say, okay, it is this, this, this. Well, then just, just listen. Maybe I'll, I'll, maybe I'll teach you something today you didn't know before. <gasps> That'd be awesome, right? Okay, let's go. What is Advent? Well, the, the English word Advent, it comes from the, a Latin word. And, and you know that, that this is part of my geekdom that comes out. It just, it, the Latin word adventus means coming. It means coming. 
All right, so think about what is Advent. Okay, Advent, if the word means coming, then we can start to, 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 to start to think about what that means. You know, this, this Advent season, this is a tradition that's celebrated. Um, and, and this tradition that is celebrated, it celebrates the first coming of Jesus. And if you look up here on the stage here, we've got, you notice that we've got the manger, and then we have the cross. Because I, I, I'm, I'm convinced when we we're talking about Advent, that we don't need to just look at the first Advent. We need to look forward to the second Advent. And the second Advent is possible because Christ died on the cross. And He ascended to the Father. And He says that you know, because, I, because I go to the Father, you know what, I'm coming back to get you. That's going to be the, the second Advent. So when we understand that uh, we're, this, this time, um, the, the, the four Sundays um, before Christmas, this Advent season... This is a time in which we are celebrating not only the first coming, but we're celebrating the, the waiting for, the looking forward to the second coming. Now, it is, is celebrating Advent necessary? Now, when I, when I pose this question, it, it's, it's something that I, I believe that, um, I think that people actually have this. If you don't have this, maybe a, a friend or family member might have this. Like, I don't believe that. Oh, okay. Is it necessary to celebrate the season of Advent? No. There is no biblical mandate that says you must celebrate Advent the four Sundays prior to Christmas. It's, it's optional. But it is something that has been um, uh, given to us, passed down through church tradition. That um, is uh, something that, that is, uh, been, been uh, put in place as a preparation for Christmas Day. All right? So do we have to celebrate? No, we don't have to celebrate it. But if, if we go through life and only do what we have to do, how, how, like my wife tells me, I'm boring, but how boring of a life would that be if we just did what we had to do? Well, the only thing you have to do is what? Pay taxes and die, right? I mean, ain't that the two, the two things everybody says is, is, a, is a constant, there's a common? But here's the deal. You don't have to celebrate Advent. It's one of those things that we, we, we get to. We are, are, are able to. Now, because it is option, optional, and some people don't celebrate it, but those who do, if you poll, like, talk to people about those who really celebrate and understand the true meaning of what Advent is, uh, the people would say, most people would say that, that it's a, a time that is personally um, enjoyable for them, um, and, and it would also be um, a time that is probably spiritually profitable. And the reason I say that is because sometimes um, what we have to look at is like, why is it that we do what we do? Because too, too often we get into to the, the, the perfunctory mode, right? Everybody knows what that is? Perfunctory, big, big word, but you all know what it means. Perfunctory, perfunctory means doing something just for the sake of doing it because you've always done it. Think about Major League Baseball. I'm not bashing Major League Baseball. I'd much rather watch paint dry, but... Um, Baseball. If you watch the baseball players, they get when they come up to bat, they do the same thing every time. I mean, not everyone does the same thing, but the, the individual does the same routine. Fixes his, his hat, spits, probably grabs himself and does some other... I mean, come on, they do some crazy stuff, but they do the same thing each time. That's perfunctory. There's no rhyme or reason behind it, but it was just something that they've always done. What I don't want to do is just do things inside the church just because we've always done it. 
we need to know the meaning and the why behind what it is that we do. And that's, that's kind of the heart of this here today. It's like, we're going to be launching into Advent, and we're going to be going through the Advent candles, but I want you to know why we're doing this, because it has impact for today, but it also has impact for tomorrow and the day after and the day after, and for eternity. So as we go through this, um, we can ask this question, uh, how does understanding the purpose for Advent, or for, I should say, the Advent season, affect my daily life. Now, I know that I'm amongst the choir and I'm amongst super spiritual people and you all don't think about how, um, how church and how God can help you today. I know that you're all super spiritual and we're all focusing on eternity and, and everything. But someone like me, I, need, I, I like to think about, okay, how does this play out today? And then how does this play out tomorrow? And then the next day? Because at the end of the day, I, I believe that you all want to pursue and you, all, and you have a, 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 an intention of the heart, a good intention of the heart to be pleasing to God, to live your life in a manner worthy of, of the gospel of Jesus Christ, as Paul says, but you don't know how to do it all the time. And, and I think that when we ask, it's a legitimate question, it's like, okay, what can I do today? And then what can I do tomorrow? So the, this question about the, the purpose for the Advent season it will affect your daily life. I'm convinced of that. If you don't see that at the end of our time together, then, I don't know, email me or um, whatever. My, my email address, by the way, is Jake Whiteman at lifepointchurchatwater.com. He's not even in here to defend himself, so that's even better. Um, but understanding the purpose of Advent season, it does affect my daily life. And I love how one theologian explains it. He says this, he says, during Advent, believers um, are or should be reminded of how much we ourselves also need a Savior. And we look forward to our Savior's second coming, even as we prepare to celebrate His first coming at Christmas. So the Advent season is not only about the first coming of Jesus. It's not only about eight pounds, six ounce, little baby Jesus in golden fleece diapers. Right? Love you, Ricky Bobby. But it's not about, you know, every Christmas season I, get, I make that reference, right? In like the nine years that I've been here, I think I've made it every, every season. So I got it out of the way. And next week and the week after and the week after, it's fine. Hey, we're singing Christmas music and y'all, or, or you need to understand. So I, can, I, can, I got a little bit of, of liberty here, right? Okay, there we go. So understand that the first, the, or Advent season is not just about the first coming. Yes, we celebrate the first coming, and because of the first coming, that we, we get to uh, get gifts and, and, and such, and we have these times with our family. But it's not only about that, it's also about His second coming. And when we lose sight of the second coming, we lose sight of why the first coming actually happened. This is where I want us to, to, to uh, um, really kind of to launch off into our, our, our understanding of Advent. You, you're there in uh, John 3.16, right? I'm not, but I will be shortly. That's in the New Testament, correct? I'm just making sure you're, you're awake. Come on now. So, when we understand, when we're looking at, or we, we can uh, uh, launch into this, this Advent, understanding Advent, we, we look at the first, we can look forward to the second. We, we, as this uh, one theologian says here, it, it reminds us our need for a Savior, 
I love that the text that, that, that Kurt read to us here in John 3.16, because I, I see um, God's role and God's purpose here wrapped up in, um, uh, or uh, purpose in Advent, or His role in Advent wrapped up here in this text, which is going to launch us into the, the, the next one that I already told you about. So let's, let's read this, though. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. Now, I, I love this text because it, it has um, a very... Um, clear uh, um, uh, a theme and a clear mode and a clear motive behind this. But what happens is you see, I mean, if you watch any football game today, if you look in the stands, there's going to be somebody in the stands that has a John 3.16 sign, right? Everybody seen that? It doesn't have, three, it doesn't have John 3.16 through 18 on it because too many people, they, they, they stop at Verse 16, which is not a bad thing. Don't, don't get me wrong, like I'm, I'm saying verse 16 is, is not able to hold its own. But I think that we, we missed really the impact of what John is saying here um, through Jesus' words when we, when we don't go on to 17 and 18. It says in 17, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. So we get that this, this sent... You know, we, we read and we read uh, uh, weeks ago about Jesus says that, that I'm, I lay down my life, no one lays down my life, but I lay it down and I have the power to pick it back up, to take it back up. We, we read here that the, that, that the Father sent the Son. So when we're, we're thinking about Advent, think about, and I know we like to rhyme words, at least I do, think about sent for Advent, all right? The Son was sent by the Father. But he was sent for a specific purpose. It says here that the specific purpose was in order to save the world. Look at verse 18. Whoever believes in him, him being Jesus, is not condemned, but, this is, this is the important part here, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. This is important. Because if you have an interaction with someone and they're like, well, you know, that religion stuff or that, you, that Jesus stuff, that's good for you, but I, I've got my own and I'm okay. Well, the Bible here is, is very clear telling us that um, those who don't believe, that, that do not believe in the Son of God, it doesn't say that then they are condemned. It says that they're condemned already. So, so just think about this, and I, I don't want to get you know, all, the, all uh, uh, um, you know, gloom and doom here, but we have to understand that we, were, we all, every single one of us, were born into this world, and we were born into the, the world that is, is riddled with sin. And because we were born into this world riddled with sin, the cause of that sin is humanity himself. So we're all born with this sin nature. The Bible tells us that, that, that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. It says that when we're, when we're born into the world, though we may be physically alive, we're spiritually dead. So if we're spiritually dead, that, that's what's being talked about here. The spiritual dead is those who are, 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 that, that are, are condemned already. So by Jesus coming, by His first Adventus, His first coming, His first Advent, it says he's come to save the world. What has he come to do? He's come to give life. Now, it, it, it says that there is a choice of which needs to be made, right? And, and, and some of you are sitting there thinking, okay, he, yeah, I'm, I'm hearing the gospel message being presented. Absolutely. 
John 3, 16, 17, and 18 is like the gospel in a nutshell. I, I love this text because if, if you have trouble just interacting with someone and you're like, you, you want to tell them about Jesus and you want to share the good news and you want to, well, the, the, the term we use, witness to them, notice that it's our job to, to tell people. It's not our job to convert anyone. You, anybody is sitting here, me, I'm not going to save anyone. I do not have the power to save anyone. What I do have and what we have is the, the, the command from God, from, from Jesus to tell. And if you want to, to know the words, man, I don't know the words to, to say, just, just read God's word. I mean, it's, it's pretty powerful. Like, he knew what he was doing when he wrote it down. So, so, so think about it. When, when, so when it says here that, that, that for God so loved the world, that he gave, and that same, th- that same understanding of, of him giving is that same um, understanding of him sending his son. So, so we look at this and we can say, all right, gospel message in a nice bow, but what does that have to do? I mean, some of you are like, yeah, I get it. I get where it, first Advent's in there. This is the launching point because I think that, that we understand that Advent... And I'm, now, now let, me, let, me, let me put a pin here and let's move over just a little bit because when I say Advent, I'm talking about the coming. I'm not talking about the season. When, when we, we look at the Advent of Christ here, we can see that the Advent, the coming of, of Jesus as a baby, and the second coming of, of Jesus as uh, the non-Brad Pitt Jesus, right? right? He, he's going to be fierce, big tattoo and everything. So, um, so when, we, when we look at the Advent, the coming of our Lord and Savior, what we have to understand is that Advent, I believe, is a, is a product of God's love. So, so look, look at this. Like The reason, if somebody says, well, why did God send His Son? Well, it says right here. For God so loved the world. I, I loved other translations, and, and one of my favorite literal, like the, the, the um, uh, equivalent, if you're going to do word-for-word translation, it, it, it says, God loved the world so much that He sent. He, he loved the world in such a, 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 a way that His display, His manifestation of His love was Jesus, was given in His Son. So when we look at this and we're like, okay, so what is God's motivation? What is God's uh, uh, his, uh, uh, purpose and His passion and His desire? What, what, may, what makes Advent, the actual coming, uh, possible? It's His love. It's His love. Now, when, when I say that, I think that there is there's a difficulty sometimes of understanding what love truly is. And the reason I say that is because we watch TV, we have interactions with individuals, and people say things like, well, my favorite, I love you, man. Remember the old Bud Light commercials? The new Bud Light commercials are way better, by the way. I love the Bud Light night. Am I the only heathen in here? Okay, whatever. But it's a, I love you, man. Or, or you have some people that say, I love my dog. And, in the, and they'll use, the, in the same breath, they'll say, I love my wife. Well, do you love your wife as much as your dog? Don't answer that. But do you love your wife as much as your... There, there's a different type. There's a, an understanding of what love is. I love my football team. I love you too, dear. Right? I mean, come on. There, there's a difference. 
There is a difference, and I think it's worth identifying what love truly is. The love in which God has for us. Because it's not a, as the Bible has many different words for love, it's not a phileo love, it's not a brotherly love. This is an agape love, this is a Christian love. And I believe that it is the Father's love compelled Him so much that He sent His Son as a Savior, as the Messiah. Remember last series we just got out of? He sent Him as the Messiah, meaning the anointed one of God. He sent Him as the Savior for the world. Not as a madman, but as the Messiah. Now, as we look at this, as we look at God's role and we say, okay, oh, it's love. Well, let's define love. Just so we're all on the same page, because I think that uh, when, especially, I was like talking about my kids. So if I look at my kids and I tell them something, or I tell them not to do something, uh, I, I can be completely loving in what it is that I say. I can say, Gabe, do not stick your finger in that light socket. Gabe, do not go play around in the road. Now, it can come across as it's not loving. I can say it in a tone and in a manner which is very firm. It's, very, it's, a command, it's command driven, right? But my motivation is because I love you so much, I don't want anything to happen to you. Maybe that doesn't come across. Well, he can say then, well, dad's just a jerk. He don't want me to have fun. Right? None of you have ever said that to your parents, right? I have. <laughs> Maybe even today. I don't know. Um, <laughs> yep. But understanding that, 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 that this, this love, sometimes love is not that, oh, it's okay, and put your arms around. I'm not going to really do it, Matt, I promise. <laughs> put, oh, it's okay. You can do that, and you can live that way. And No, that's sometimes the most um, damaging thing we can do is just coddle someone in their sin. That's not love. But what is love? Not right, here. I'm glad you asked because it's in my notes. Love. Agape. I mean, that's the, 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 the Greek root word for this. And we can, we'll also call it Christian love. And not, not Christian in the true sense, not watered-down Christianity. I'm saying Christian in the true sense. What the Bible says a Christian is a little Christ. So Christian love is, is this. A strong, non-sexual affection and love for a person and they're good, and when you say, I say, and they're good, they're well-being. And this is the important part, so listen up. So it's, not, it's, a, it's a strong, non-sexual affection for, and love for a person, and they're good or their well-being, as understood by God's moral character. So, so, so let that sink in for a second. It's not a, an emotional attachment. It's not a sexual desire. It's a non-sexual affection. It's a deep affection for, though, but it's for not only the person, but it's for the well-being of that person as understood by God's moral character. And that's the part that I, I think that we have to really drill into is that as understood by God's moral character. Because that means that God is the standard for love. And if God is the standard for love, we can really truly understand what love is. We don't have to ask these questions, what really is love? What is love? And you have that stupid Jared's commercial, whatever commercial it is now, love is me, love is us, love is we. What? No. 
It doesn't make sense because you cannot attach your own understanding, or I should say, not don't no scratch that. You can't attach your own meaning to a word like love and have it mean what it truly means. You can't make it say what you want it to make it say. There's got to be a standard. And and when we understand that 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 the the Christian love, the love in which is being talked about here in John three sixteen, and as we're going to be in First John here, that love is is understood by God's moral character. Turn with me there to 1 John 4. Because as we read this, as we read this, we can see even more of the need to understand not only God's love, but accept God's love, but see how it's the motivating factor for the first advent and see how it's the motivating factor for the second advent. As well, First John, chapter four and verse seven. We're just going to look at seven through seventeen real quick. It says this. Now, when he's when we're, it's going to say beloved here, you can say beloved. I don't care whatever your background is. It means the same thing. He's talking to Christians. He's talking to the church. He says, beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Now, out the gate here, I don't want you to start going through your mental Rolodex thinking about all the unloving people in your head. What I want you to do is I want to think you to think about you because only you can control your actions. You're not responsible for other people's. So understand here, when he's saying that that we're to love one another, we don't need to say, well, she's not very loving to me, or he's not very loving. No, let let, let God be the judge, and let you just be obedient. If we are obedient, and we can see this and understand that love is from God, if love is from God, that means it's a gift to us, and he's telling us to exercise that gift, if you don't see it here, this is, this is a direct command from God. It's not you get to pick and choose if you want to love or not. He says, love one another. Remember, he's talking about the church here, and he's saying this. He says, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. I, I meet people all the time that they, they're, they're kind of they're, they're stuck. Like, I, 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 I believe in Jesus. I, I think I'm going to go to heaven. I, I, don't, I just don't know. Well, there are markers in which you can have in your life that display if Christ is in you or not. One of these clear markers is love. Now, now I, I want to say that love alone does not mean that you are automatically going to heaven because I know a lot of people that are loving that don't believe in Jesus. What he's saying here is a characteristic of a believer, though, is love for one another. How are you dealing with that? What are you doing with that? So here we can see then this, this love. Remember, it, it, it's, it, goes, it, um, it goes on to say, that, 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 or we can understand that this, remember the understanding as God's, uh, by God's moral character. The other half of that definition that I didn't read to you says this about love. It says, especially characterized by a willing for, forfeiture of rights or privileges in another person's behalf. So sometimes love's a sacrificial. It's not a, people say it's a give and take. Sometimes it's just a give. 
It's just a give. And sometimes you don't get anything in return. If we, if we understand that we are to love as God loved, because God is love, what we, can, what we have to understand is there is nothing that we can do to repay God's love for us. I mean, I don't care how cool you are or what great thing that you do, there's nothing that we can do to pay God back for what He has done. So quit trying. Quit trying. I mean, should we, should we be um, grateful for what God has done? Absolutely. Should we do good works? Absolutely. That the Bible tells us to do that. But it's not in order to, to, to get God to say, oh, wow, look how much, you know, look, look, look how much Lee did. I meant the big Lee, not the little Lee. Look how much Lee did. He, that's impressive. No, God, God is not standing up there waiting for us to wow him. There's nothing that we're going to do to wow God. Now, I don't tell you that to be like, well, I might as well not even you know, try. No, I'm not telling you, telling you that for that reason. I'm telling you that to free you. Because what God wants you to do is to enjoy His love, not try to pay Him back for His love. Think about it. Come Christmas morning in, in a few weeks here, right? Your kids, they open up all these gifts, and you, you give these, these gifts to these kids. If your kids sat there and said, thanks, Mom, thanks, Dad, and they sat there and they, they started planning out, how can I pay back Mom and Dad for this? And, and just start figuring out how they can pay back, the, the, pay back, pay back us, the, the parents, for all the love in which they, they shared with them during that, 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 that time together. Would that be an enjoyable time? What do you want your kids to do on Christmas morning when they open the gifts? Enjoy, yeah, enjoy the gift and not the box they came in. I mean, right? They, our, our kids are a little bit over that now. But, I mean, but really, enjoy the gift in which they've been given. Same thing here. God has given us a gift. He wants us to enjoy this. Quit trying to figure out how you can pay Him back because you'll never do it. And you, you'll go crazy trying to figure out how to do it. Now, it goes on to say here, verse 9, in this, the love of God was made manifest. And to, not insulting your intelligence. Uh, manifest is to be made known, to, to brought to, to a visible semblance, to, to, to be seen, okay? Brought to knowledge here. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. So this is that, that, that sent. God sent His Son. This is talking about the first advent here. A geek moment here. If you, if you want to look, read all five chapters of um, the Gospel, uh, or I'm sorry, if you want to read all five chapters of the epistle of 1 John, and, and if you read all five chapters, it, it'll take you maybe 15, 20 minutes. If you read all five chapters of it, and you note every time that advent is, is, is uh, being talked about, that's either first advent or second advent. It comes out to like 11 times in five chapters. And it's something that's also geeky is if you take and you condense that down even further, um, there's a, a section from uh, chapter 2, verse 28, to the, the end of what we're looking at here is uh, chapter 4, verse 17, that nine of those 11 times are contained in that little section. And then if you want to condense it down even further, if you look at just the, the 11 verses that we're looking at here, it talks about it four times. Now, why do I say all of that? 
Well, well, I say all of that because this letter was written to a, 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 a people, a church that was going through some difficult times. world around them was much like our world. And in this short little letter, the Apostle John thinks it's necessary to note the first coming and, and the second coming of Christ 11 times as an encouragement. So, so, so think about that. When, when we're entering into the, the Advent season, it's not just a season. It has a marker. This is a, a time that we remember the first coming. Why? Because you and I need a cur- encouragement to face today. We need encouragement to face tomorrow and the next day and the next day. Is that making God a crutch? I don't care what you call Him. He's the source of life is what He is. And that's what it says here, that in this love, in this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His Son, His only Son, into the world so that we might live through Him. That, that's that, that, that part, I love that, it's Christmas morning. It's so that you can enjoy the present in which you were given, at the time in which you were given it. Too many, I, I meet too many Christians that aren't enjoying their gift from God. And I think I've said it in the past, it's like, quit being cranky Christians, Right? We don't need cranky Christians because cranky Christians make life difficult for the rest of us that are trying to share God's love. Well, yeah, but you know, so-and-so says he's a Christian and he, you know how he acts? I, he's just cranky. I don't know how else to, 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 to say it. So if you, if you fall into that cranky Christian category, shame on you and get out. Uh, not, no, not get out of here. I didn't mean like, I'm like, get out of that cranky... I'll just move on. I'll just move on. I, that, that, that ship sailed, and I, I'm just getting wet. Verse 10. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. I understand that. I mean, that big word, I, I get it, propitiation. What does that mean? That means that the Father sent His Son to satisfy the wrath of God. He loved us so much, He sent His Son for the specific purpose, for the intended purpose to be on the tree. For the cross. Because Jesus could not have been, or could not be our Savior if it weren't for the cross. You can't have a Savior without a sacrifice. So understanding that it's the love of the Father, that He loved us, that He was so compelled to send His Son as a sacrifice for us. Look, verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. I won't hit hard on this, but just think about this. If the person next to you or in this room or whatever, the person you know, your brother and sister in Christ is important to God? They should be important to you, right? Does that mean that you can impact every single one and that you can be in close, intimate relationship with everyone? No. It doesn't mean that. But what that means is that you have the ability and the directive to say, you know what, I need to love one another. Why? Because that person is important to God. And if I say, well, I'm not going to do it, well, are you better than God? Are you? 
If so, I mean, I'll, I'll pack up right now. Y'all come up here. Now, I'm not saying I'm better than God. I'm just trying to do my best here. But if somebody is sitting here, like, that they're sitting on the throne and, and that they call the shots and they do a better job than what God is doing, that is, that is the righteousness that exceeds the, the scribes and the Pharisees, as Jesus says. But the, the, the fact of the matter is no one is. No one is. Let's go on. Because we've got to land this plane. Verse 12, no one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and His love is perfected in us. Uh, last week when um, uh, Kurt was talking about the abiding, we've talked about abiding before, the continuing in, the remaining, the connectivity. I love that it says here that, that um, if we love one another, that, that God's in us, and, and it says that His love is perfected. It's perfected in us. So, so we, have, we have a role in this. God's love in us, we have a responsibility to, to show that love. And, and it's the way in which that love is manifest and the way in which that sh- is shown, it's saying here that it's, it's perfected. And what, what it means is it's, it's, it's coming to completion. Now, does that mean that God's love lacks? No, 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 no. That's not meaning that God's love lacks. What that, what that meaning is, what that's highlighting is that you have a role and you just quit need, uh, you need to quit being like, I think it was Kevin this morning said that you need to quit being that, what would you call that sponge? Uh, fun sponge. You need to quit being the, 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 you know, that person that always sucks up all the fun out of the room and they, they're just a, a boring person. Yes, dear, shut up. Um, I know you were thinking, and I might as well cut you off at the past, but that person who just sucks up everything, you need to quit being that, that one who's just sucking up the love and not oozing it back out. You need to be the one that, 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 that understands it. That, well, as I'm, as I'm loved, well, maybe I should love in return. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe right? Maybe it's a thought that, that during this Advent season that we can kind of do a self-examination of how, how am I manifesting God's love in my life? Or maybe some of you are like, am I manifesting God's love? In my life. Fancy it. Move on, because we'll be here all day. 13. We're circling and we're getting we're getting there. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. I love that song that we just sang, that that, that red letter song by Crowder. You guys like that song? I mean that, that was like the, the, the spirit awakened in me. I mean, I was waiting for Dan to run around the room, but it's all right. But we, we understand that we know that, 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 that Christ abides in us because of His Spirit. He's, been, he's given us the Spirit. He's given us His Spirit to, to, to reside inside of us. So we're asking, like, how do I have life? Because the same Spirit that rose Christ Jesus from the dead is the same Spirit that lives inside of us if we're believers in Him. He goes on to say, and we have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son. That's another reference to Advent here. Has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in Him, and He in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. I love that that, that sentence. Because people ask, how do I really know if God loves me? Well, here it says that we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. What is he referring to? 
Because He sent His Son for you. What what greater gift can you be given? I mean, think about it. I mean, everybody's got their own shopping list in their head. I wish I could get this for Christmas. Even if you get everything that's on your Christmas list, if if you every single item, will you be satisfied? No, you won't. The one the one that that, that satisfies is the one that, that, that can fill that void that's in our life. The only one that can fill the void is one that was sent for that, for that purpose. It goes on here to say, by this is love perfected with us. There it goes again, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. When he's, and it says here that, that by this love is perfected with us, so we have a responsibility, so that, and I love that, so that we may have what? Confidence. Confidence in what? Confidence in the second coming of Christ. So we don't have to get the gloom and doom. We don't have to be, what's it, what's it now? The doomsday preppers, right? That we got all of the, 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 the canned goods and all of this and whatever that's stashed away in our bunker. So when, when everything goes to pot, that, oh, maybe we can, we can survive this. No, when the end comes, we, we as believers in Christ can be able to, to face it with confidence. We can, as the end of Revelation says, come Lord Jesus. We can, we can look at the second coming not in fear, but we can faithfully look at the second coming as a deliverance from this world. Like, yes! And, and please don't be the one that, that, that is when he, when he does come says, it's about time, because it probably ain't going to go over well, right? Although you're probably going to be thinking it, right? No, but, but, but we can have confidence, and I, and I say that tongue-in-cheek, but, but re- the reality is, all of this that we're doing, all that we're going to be doing over the next four weeks and looking at Advent, looking at the first Advent, and looking towards the second Advent, is so that we can be encouraged, because I know the situations that some of you are in. And some of you feel like the, the, the situations are, are, are just dark and they're gloomy and there's no hope. And how can this really you know, affect my current situation, my current problem? Well, if we're reminded of our status in Him, if we're reminded of who we are and what we have to look forward to, yes, it may get pretty crappy here. You, you may. I, I'm not going to be the one to say that, 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 that your life's going to be easy. No, some, some of us, I mean, we read through Scripture that Christians had some of the, the crappiest things happen to them. Jesus himself says that if they persecute the master, what do you think that they're going to do to you? If they persecute me, what, what are they going to do to you? They're, they're, it's going to happen. But it's not the now in which we have and we set our hope in. Our, our hope is in that in which is to come. And we have that promise. And that promise is one of the things that we're going to be talking about next week is the promises of God. When we look at the prophecy candle, we can see that there are promises that God has given us. Some of those promises have been fulfilled, as in the, the, the birth of, of Jesus. Some of those promises will be fulfilled in the, the return of Christ. So, as we go into Advent season, let, let's go into it with a let's go into it with an attitude that, like, this is not just a routine in which we're going to go through but this is something that's going to impact me today and tomorrow and the next day.
Let's pray. Father God, I, I, uh, I thank you, uh, Lord, as we've uh, just kind of looked through uh, some of the, the, the passages of which you have, the truth of which you have on um, your, um, your first coming. Uh, and the, the, uh, the, the second coming that, that, that we wait eagerly for. Um, God, I, I ask that, that we, can, uh, we can have that confidence and we can see that um, this, this time in which we get together is not just a time in which we can uh, come and, and catch up on, on, on the latest fads and, and news or whatever, but we come with an expectation of you moving and, and you uh, teaching us something and um, us being drawn closer to you. Uh, God, each one of us is dealing with something today. Uh, and if, if we're not, we're going to be. Or maybe there's something that's already happened that we need to deal with and that we're not. Um, God, regardless of, of the, uh, the timing of that, um, my, my prayer is that, that we can see that if, if you are so compelled by love to send your Son to free us from the bondage in which we have here, to conquer Satan, sin, and death, that that same love cannot... If, if the thought is that that same love cannot overcome the situation which we're in, God, let us, let us clear that, 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 that lie from our head. Because that same love that compelled you is the same, the, the same love that, that can uh, see us through whatever it is we face as we eagerly wait for you. So God, in, in this, these, these next few weeks, as we learn more about... Um, Advent, and, and as we practice and celebrate it, God, let us uh, celebrate the first and look forward to the second. God, we pray this in your name. And all God's people said, Amen.